This is Confessions of a Book Collector. I'm your host, David Headley, and I will be exploring all aspects of publishing and book collecting, interviewing best-selling and upcoming authors, and sharing insights on books both old and new. Welcome back to Confessions of a Book Collector. Today, I am joined by someone whom I would say is possibly my most favourite novelist writing right now. Rachel Joyce is an award-winning author of the Sunday Times bestseller, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. She's also written The Love Song of Miss Queenie Hennessy, The Music Shop, and Mrs. Benson's Beetle, as well as a collection of interlinked short stories, The Snow Garden and Other Stories. The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry was shortlisted for the Commonwealth Book Prize and longlisted for the Man Booker Prize. Rachel has been awarded the Specsavers New Writer of the Year National Book Award and shortlisted for the UK Author of the Year. Mrs. Benson's Beetle was the winner of the 2021 Wilbur Smith Adventure Writing Prize and her novels have sold over 4 million copies. Sorry, I beg your pardon, 5 million copies. Is it 6 million? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, not that I'm counting. No, well, I mean, I can see why they would keep selling because I love your writing. I love your books. I have never felt more emotionally, viscerally exhausted and moved and just the love of life that you have and the love of people and the understanding of people is why I read your books because you clearly do understand people. And it comes across in your writing. I have sobbed, I have laughed, I have Anyway, shall I stop? Because I think it might be a <laughs> bit much. Really, really <laughs> you moved me to tears. Oh, I think you're amazing. And when I read the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry, I knew immediately I wanted to do something special with it. And we did this most beautiful slipcase edition, and we had a window display for you, and it had a telephone box and a post box, and we had some boating shoes. We still have the shoes. Yeah. (laughs) And I am absolutely delighted that they've made a movie of it. And I am going to see it this evening. And I am so excited about it. I cannot wait. Um, Welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) I could just just bask in what you've just said, actually. That would be great. Thank you. I I know that you wrote radio plays for BBC Radio Radio 4. Radio 4, yeah. And did you want to always be a, a novelist or did that happen by accident? No, I always wanted to write a book. I mean, even when I was a child. I must have had a need to write and to be heard in some way. Because when I was eight, I seriously wrote my autobiography. (laughs) It was called, called, wait for it, it was called About Me. (laughs) And it was about, it wasn't very long, obviously. But mostly it was about my poetry, which I felt had gone undiscovered in the world and appreciated so I wrote a kind of critique of my own poetry which was not numerous I mean there really wasn't very much of it but I thought it was really good and did your mum and dad support you with that I don't think they knew about the autobiography actually Um, (laughs) I don't know what they'd have thought of that but I did I mean I did really want to express myself in words but also to share it so I was sent off, I mean, I went to the library and got hold of the Artists and Writers Yearbook. Did you? When I was really young. And sent off a a story to a publisher, I found. Precocious. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I I called myself Mary Thornton, because not because of the chocolates, because I was reading 
I was reading Jane Eyre. Right. And I thought that maybe if I had that kind of pseudonym, it might stand me in a better place. And I know you're a massive fan of, of Jane Eyre, aren't you, of yeah. all of those? Uh, the Brontes, The Brontes, yeah. yeah. and I've adapted all of them for radio, which is um, surreal. I mean, it was such a journey, such a privilege. And why, why your fascination with the Brontes? A number of things. Again, as a child, we used to go to Haworth because my mum's from Brighouse. Right. So we used to kind of go. So um, I think, again, I just had this very romantic you know, idea in my mind. And also I was the oldest of three sisters. You see where I'm going? Yeah. No tuberculosis, fortunately, <laughs> and quite good teeth. <laughs> but apart from that, I hoped that I would kind of be, you know, pick up their spirit. But it still really gets me, Howard. Even though it's so kind of, you know, in some ways it's so chocolate boxy. And I mean, I think maybe the conflict is what really moves me about it. Yeah. My, my family is from up there as well in, in Yorkshire and I love it. I mean, I, I love going there. I, I remember reading Wuthering Heights when I was probably about eight or nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was, a, I was quite an advanced reader, yeah. as you could imagine. I mean, yeah. I, I live my life in books, but... I love that book so much, and it's probably still my favourite. And it's really dark. It's a really dark novel, it's but it is so. so dark. <laughs> but it's amazing. I still, I still think about it, and I, I love it so much. It, Wuthering Heights, of all of them, was by far the hardest to adapt, and I think it's because it basically is like trying to adapt jazz or a colour. You know, it's so completely itself. Yeah. That when you try and lift it out, it, it sort of bites you. It's so different to anything else written. Yeah. And also, so many people think it finishes with the death of Kathy, you know, so that's just halfway through the book. Yeah, I think it's amazing. So you wanted to write your autobiography when you was eight, and but did you? I guess you were a big reader then, and you... Yeah, I was. What, I what Do you remember the book that you loved as a, a child? or I mean, you may have many... Do you remember one book that changed everything for you, that, you, that you, it opened your eyes to, to the world well, of books? Well, I think often it's to do with when you read a book, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so there were several books that opened, you know, opened everything up, but there was one when I was, I don't know, maybe I was about nine. I was not reading Wuthering Heights. Um, and I was, like many children, I was having a pretty tough time at school I mean I was being really bullied and so I kind of pretended that I was ill for about a year until I almost had my appendix out and then I had to kind of come clean <laughs> that actually you know it was just that I was being bullied anyway my dad gave me a book called it's a story called Pie Whacket. and it's now I can't remember is it Rosamond Weir I can't actually remember which is really bad who it's by but it just came at a time when I was so in need of comfort. And it is about, as far as I remember, this cat, Piwacket, who's a bit of a um, an outsider who kind of rescues all the other cats. I don't know this book, and I'm, I'm kind of just looking it up as we speak. I've never heard of Piwacket. It's a Canadian... I think it is. I was going to say US, so... Um... Is it horror? No. Oh, okay. No, it's not horror. It's no, it's delightful. It's it's escape into a cat world, which is clearly what I needed. Beautifully illustrated, as I remember it. Anyway, so that that was a book that where I really, re you know, when books become more real than real life. Yeah, that was one of those books. The first time I read Pride and Prejudice was another. You know, and you think, oh, hang on a minute. 
that the, the, the work, my life has just gone around the corner because there's this. And now coming up to what you're doing now, because you're judging the Women's Fiction Prize and the yes. shortlist was announced this morning. Yes. And has that been a delight or a chore? No, I mean, well, of course, I'm going to say it's been a delight because it ha- but it genuinely has. I mean, I was really up for it. Right. And they were very clear at the beginning that unless you wanted to actually read every single book, there was no point. So I knew I was up for a really big reading journey and I was... I was open to that. And I've read, I think, 70 books since September. Wow. Wow. Are you no time for writing then? No, my writing's gone out the window. (laughs) I sort of had this idea that I would read all these marvellous books in bed. I kind of like, how did I think that would work? Yes. So I just had to, you know, just go with the reading. I, I, I love the shortlist. There's a, three books on there that I have read and then there's three I haven't. Oh, but, lots of people say that. Lots yeah, of people say that. There's three a, I know I have and there's a, three I don't. I have a specific favourite. Should I reveal that to you? You can, but I'm not going to say anything. No, 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 of course you can't. No, yes, of course you but can't. but please tell me. I'd love to know. I'm not going to. Oh, no. That's so tantalising. I mean, I love all of them for different reasons. Unfortunately... We haven't had a meeting yet about them. So no. it's all, it all feels open and it feels that we can celebrate the six. Yes. In fact, I'm still celebrating the, the long list because I thought it was a cracking long list. Yeah, I know. It's an amazing long list. And it's so diverse, the choices yeah. that you've made. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what you're going to do next after this. Are you going to start writing again? Yeah, on Monday. Really? I've actually brought... It's so sad. I, every time I leave home, I take my laptop thinking that I will just you know, get on with the new thing I'm writing, because I'm quite a long way into it. But I do all the stuff that you're not supposed to do as a writer. So I always go back to the beginning. Every time I open it, I go to the beginning. (laughs) You're smiling at me in a kind of, oh, no, you don't do that. I do do that. And I go over it like with a toothpick, just each word. And because I think it's partly in order to continue, I have to really understand how I got there. And the idea that I would be able to write 5,000 words a day and then not look at them and then move on appalls me because I could just be somewhere, you know, completely out at sea where I actually don't want the book to be. I think it's fine when you've written, what, six books that you've written. Okay. But I don't think a debut author should do that. No. Because you'll never finish it. No, you would never finish. And that's my that's always my my advice to anyone who's writing a book. Don't please don't keep going back and editing because you'll never get to the end of your story. Yeah. But but I guess that you are a perfectionist because your writing is so precise. Yeah. When I read The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, I I also went on that, that journey with you and that your writing but your writing was precise of what you wanted to the reader to feel and to think and I guess the journey for all of us was of course it was a physical journey for Harold but it was also an emotional journey and that backstory that I don't want to talk about because some people won't have read it too much but certainly the story with him and Queenie and his son and his wife those were just wonderful stories and then when I finished that and then I read the love song of Queenie Hennessy I thought you couldn't have broken my heart anymore (laughs) because I loved it so much I loved and I love the ending because you leave us with this big twist and and now I've read Maureen and so I understand Maureen better yeah that book was a long long time it's a slim book 
uh, a slender book, as mm. I like to call it. But Maureen is a woman of few words, so I knew I needed to get them right. And it just took me, I don't know, it, it, gen- it took me four goes. I mean, I don't even mean a bit. I mean, I wrote the book and then thought, oh, no, this is wrong. This is all wrong. Really? Yeah. Because because of why? Because you wanted to explain Maureen's choices or her... I think every time I put Maureen in a certain place, I realised it wasn't right. And the way I knew I needed to tell her story, and I knew I ne- there was something that needed tying up with the whole lot, really. Just about Harold and Queenie, David, there was, there was a sort of ribbon that needed to be tied around the whole story. And I knew Maureen was the way to do it, but I just couldn't work out how. So I kept trying things. And even the tone of the I mean, I, I think a lot about the voice of a book. And the voice was just never wrong. And it's so easy if you do as I do. I think I try to pare things down to where they're quite simplified and ordinary. But there is a danger that you make them so simple and ordinary that they'll actually become sort of really, really quite dull. And um, I just missed it several times with Maureen. But I like to think in the end, I, when, when, I, when I finally submitted that one, I thought, no, this is the way I wanted to tell it. Yeah, I thought you got her brilliantly. I mean, I, you know, I think you're terrific with character and, and the voices are brilliantly done i still think that queen is still my favorite character oh that's interesting i'm i honestly i i can never ever get over i hope that i don't know what the film is going to do with queenie so i don't know whether there could be another movie but i think the queenie story just uh, emotionally wrecked me it did i never i've never cried so much at a book which i did of that yeah, I loved it so much. Um, and the movie's out, and Jim Broadbent is playing Harold, and that just seems perfect. And I think that was always in my mind. I don't know why I always thought that he would be Harold Fry, but it, maybe it was mentioned by you all uh, originally, or Alison Barrow, your publicist. But I always thought that he would be Harold Fry. But Penelope Wilton as as Maureen is such a genius casting. Yeah. It's really clever. Yeah. And she's brilliant. Yes, she. And I don't even know who's playing Queenie. So I don't, don't want to uh, tell me. Tell you. <laughs> tell you. No, no. I mean, the thing about a film is that obviously you have to distill it. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of ransack the book for the, the kind of spine of what will be the film. So I think that, that inevitably there are going to be people who say, oh, why isn't this bit? Why isn't that bit in? But I, I think what comes out of it is the spirit. It's completely true to the spirit of the book. It remains a book about connecting with the land, about connecting with strangers and about really, you know, like if we can't try to understand what we don't know, then there's no hope for us. Yeah. Right, well... I can't wait to see it. But can we talk about Perfect? Because that is also a perfect book. Ah. Because you take a moment in time yeah. and you create a story around it yeah. so cleverly and so ingeniously. Again, another book that I I, I don't think I'll ever forget. Because oh. your main protagonist is just so wonderful. And we meet him when he's older, but we yeah. also know as a child what happened. And yeah. we go on this journey with him. And you cleverly don't tell us whether something could have happened or not. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I loved writing Perfect. And actually, I'd already written it or a version of it before Harold Fry. So when I was given a public, it was a, a two-book publishing deal, I thought, well, that's great because I've got Perfect up my sleeve. But what I hadn't really realised was that when I went back to it, I really didn't like the way I'd told it. So I retold it. I'd actually written it from the point of view of the mother. And um, the mother in Perfect is a very watery character. That's kind of how she is. She's so fluid that nobody really can get the measure of her, especially not her son, who is you know the, mo- the kind of closest person to her. And in telling the book from her point of view, I realised it made her solid. It sort of went completely against the spirit of her. Whereas when I told it through the point of view of her son, who is so solid, it, for me, it really came to life. I mean, I know it's a book that not everybody warms to. And sometimes people say to me, thinking that I won't mind, oh, I liked your Harold book and I liked your Queenie book. I really didn't like your perfect book. Oh, gosh. And you just have to smile. Oh, no. But I see I see this on Twitter, tagging authors in a review of the book and it's a terrible review. Why do people do that? I do not It's such bad manners. It's really, really hurtful. Yeah. And I don't know why it wouldn't occur to somebody unless that's what they're setting out to do. I can tell you, honest, hand on heart, there's not one book that you've written that I didn't love. Well, thank you. That's why I think you're my favourite writer writing today. I think it, because there's, you're just so you you just write the books that I that that feed me. They the nutrients for my soul because you oh, get people nice. so meet so you. so I'm you know people are probably throwing up in buckets now, but I but it's well, con- let them. <laughs> yeah I don't care. I mean I so what are you able to say what you're working on? Or do you keep it all secret? No, I am allowed to say a little now because um, because it's sort of with me all the time. So it's always a relief to talk about it. So it's it's called The Homemade God and it's about siblings because I've never really looked at family before. But four children of a very well-known artist who marries a much younger woman and then dies very suddenly. Oh. And... Well, I look forward to reading it. Let's talk about your. Of course, you've just read seventy books for the Women's Prize. Yes. But but do you have time to read for pleasure outside of reading for the prize? For the the prize, no. That was pleasure. Everything. Privilege. Oh, really? It was everything. I mean, I read nothing but the long list. Uh, the, the you know the list, the, the books. Yeah. Um, so I've just started to read, I mean, you know, in the last month, I've started to read the books that were piled up by my bed. Um, but I'm, I get a bit giddy. I think I get a bit, and especially if I go to a bookshop, I just get way too excited. And I buy way too much thinking that I'm going to read much faster than I can. But the one I'm reading at the moment, which I'm really loving, is uh, Celia Paul, Letters to Gwen John. Oh, I don't know that. She's book. an artist. It's non-fiction. It's sort of a. It's like a memoir biography, but it's really about being an artist and a woman, and how you kind of navigate motherhood and her art, which is so uh, all-encompassing and has to be. So, uh, 
but she has she sort of obviously has this real connection with Gwen John, which I really love, the artist. So she writes as if she's writing to her, these kind of very open letters about and also it's one of those books that has beautiful illustrations and really thick pages. <laughs> so it's just an utter it's kind of eatable. So you don't mind about what you read. Are you you're just a, an eclectic yeah. reader? Mm. You don't choose to stay in one one area. No, I really like moving around. And do you like just books by women? Do you ever read books by men? Yes, I read a lot by men. And Kent Harriff, I think, is one of my favourite favourite writers. And I reread his work a lot. But there are there are many. And do you have some prize books in your collection? This is Confessions of a Book Collector, so I have to ask you about book collecting. And do you you call yourself a book collector or do you just, I mean, do you worry about an edition or do you just buy the book because you want to buy that book? I do. I mean, I do, as I said, I do buy too many books in the sense that I can't quite read them all, but I want to have them around me just in case. And I love a hardback book. I Good. Really Tick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to the right place, obviously. But there's, ju- I mean, I think because the, the, I mean, I'm, I've never been someone who can read from a screen. I can't, I mean, I know the people who are, so I'm not knocking them, but I need to hold the book. I need to be able to sort of see where I am. I need to be able to slip things inside the book. I need to be able to mark it with a pencil. I always, always read with a pencil. So, so I suppose the books I collect are mainly hardbacks, but they wouldn't have to be, well, they would be first editions, wouldn't they? Some actually? of them, yeah, yeah. I, when I was younger, I used to really, really love collecting old, you know, just old books, antiquarian books. And um, I, had, I had a huge amount. And then for some reason, there's something in the binding that dogs really love. I don't know if you've ever discovered this. And when our dogs were puppies, they used to just go mad for my old books. It was heartbreaking. Oh, I just can... ripping open the spines. It would be the cow um, glue. Yeah. Ugh! <laughs> well, I didn't even think about that. They would use, they'd probably use the glue from boiled cowhide or something. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Well, anyway, but one of the books that most recently, my I don't know how collectible it truly is, but my husband for my birthday bought me Charlotte Bronte's poems. Wow. Yeah. An old edition. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Well, he clearly loves you. He does. (laughs) And knows me. And what do you look for when you go into a bookstore? Do you just see, do you look at the cover? What do you, do you have an idea of what you want to read? Have you investigated what you want to read before you go in? No, normally I'm just wandering in to see what catches my eye. I mean, obviously, I've, I haven't had to, to buy any books recently because I've had so many sent to me. But normally I would just go in and I think I would look for, I would just look for something that caught my eye. That would be it. I mean, I think that the jacket is so, so important on a book because it is, it's sort of like the gateway. It's like the front door of the book, isn't it? Yeah. And... Um, I am, even though I try not to be persuaded by that kind of thing, I am. I always look at quotes on books. Do you? Yeah, I do. And I always am interested to see what booksellers recommend. Good, because they're a very talented bunch of people, mostly. They are, they are, and they love their books. They do. 
I never worry about quotes from books because I guess I understand that some authors help other authors, and yeah. so I'm I'm conscious about that. But no, I, you're right. But I do care about how a book cover looks because I think if I'm not drawn to it, the majority of people probably wouldn't be drawn to it. Because I just yeah. see myself as an everyday book yeah. person, a reader. Yeah. Um, and so if I see there's a barrier to a reader, I, I'll, I'll be quite vocal about that with publishers. And I've spoken about this before. Just because I think the cover is the only thing that you can really grab your reader yeah. Im- immediately with. If you don't, if you're just going into for, to a bookstore to find a book just to read, you know what you kind of like. So a book has to look like the genre that you are wanting to read. Yeah, I and, agree. And I think publishers get it wrong. I have to say, I think your publisher Susanna is amazing. I think so the cool. way that she's designed your books, yeah. and I think it's her expertise of the non-fiction books that she's yeah. done. Uh, yeah. I agree completely. It's a really happy marriage <laughs> between the two of us because I love the fact that she has that she is non-fiction. That's you know that's her kind of background. And she said to me once that she felt she was the midwife of the book, and I think she's done great midwifery with me. I think your covers are always clever and clean and clear about what they are they are but she's also i mean it's even down to the font you know it's a very specific font that she's chosen and she thinks about a lot we at the beginning for harold fry we really thought about illustrations because both i think both of us said wouldn't it be nice to have a, a book with pictures and it wasn't such a kind of done i think it's happened a bit more since then but they were so exquisite the those um engravings yeah beautiful and on the, the boards without the, the dust wrap, when you took the dust wrap yeah. off, it was all yeah. littered. And obviously we put ours in a slipcase, so we made more of that. And the icons that you see in the, the book, certainly the boating shoes and... Yeah, the dog. The dog, of course. So if you are a Goldsborough customer, you will know that we have done slipcases of all of the... What would you call them? A triptych? You wouldn't somebody call them a trilogy. Somebody did say, you know, this is, that's how it really came about was a reader saying, you know, this is a triptych of books. And when somebody tells you that, you think, well, okay, yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Had she said, this is a trilogy, <laughs> I might not have listened. But you could, yeah. you can read the books separately. You don't have to read them in order. No, 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 you don't have to read them in order. You don't have to read all three of them. They're very much written that they, they do lean into one another, but they also are standalone books. I, I I have all three books next to each other, and they just look beautiful together. And I'm thinking how I'm going to put them in another slipcase to keep them all just <laughs> pristine, because they just look amazing. I thought Maureen, I thought the, the, the addition of that was just so beautiful too. Yes, I love that blue. I do too. So Maureen Fry and the Angel of the North is just published. Well, it came out end of last year. End of last year, yeah. yeah. So beautiful. And I am, as I say, going to see the movie this evening. And are you going to be there? I am, actually. Are you? Not only that, I think most of my family are going to be there. Oh, really? My children are all I'm, turning I'm, up. I'm honoured to be mm-hmm. asked. And um, my husband is going with me as well. Excellent. So we will be there to celebrate with you. I, I literally great. can't wait. Rachel, you are amazing. <laughs> and I have been 
eager to talk to you for my podcast because I am probably just a little bit over, like a Labrador puppy excited to see you because I just think you're amazing. Um, thank you for coming to talk to me. Such a pleasure. Really, I feel so much better now. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Subscribe now to be one of the first to hear our new series and follow Goldsborough Books on socials to keep up to date with our latest news and to discover who will be joining me on Confessions of a Book Collector, your new favourite podcast.